This is the Catholic Movie Guy Podcast. Well, hello. It's me, the Catholic Movie Guy. Um, sorry, I've been very, 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 very negligent in posting, but I will remedy that in the month of December. Got a couple shows coming down the pike. At least we'll have a couple uh, before the uh, Christmas holiday, hopefully. Uh, in the meantime, last week I had the distinct privilege of being asked onto the Iowa Catholic radio show, The Uncommon Good, with Bud Marr and Bo Bonner, two frequent podcast guests, and we did a fall movie roundup. So enjoy that and hear me uh, kind of rip on the Justice League. It wasn't as bad as I said on the radio. You know, it's radio. What can you do? So I uh, hope you enjoy, and we'll be back either next week or the following with uh, another new episode. Don't you worry about a thing. Jesus Christ is still the king. Welcome to The Uncommon Good with Bo Bonner and Dr. Bud Marr on Iowa Catholic Radio. Every Wednesday, diving deep in the truth of the Catholic Church and restoring all things in Christ. The Uncommon Good, live from the Mercy Live Up Studio. The Uncommon Good is on the air. I'm Bo Bonner. I'm Bud Marr. And we are coming to you from all sorts of places. I am here in Mercy Live Up Studio in beautiful Des Moines, Iowa, on a nice crisp day, the day before Thanksgiving. Bud is in transit with his family towards Thanksgiving holiday bliss. Bud, where are you currently on this wide globe of ours? Um, I am, yeah, somewhere outside of Indianapolis, and those yelps and screams you hear in the background are my children, so... This show is brought to you by Tom Paul II's Theology of the Body. <laughs> nice. And we- basal thermometers. <laughs> and radio, the technology of radio. This is uh- no, somewhere, somewhere near Indianapolis, which in the Latin means the city of Indiana. So, very original. That's right. They, that's very good that they uh, chalked up on their ancient languages. So, 11.50 a.m., 88.5 FM, 94.5 FM, streaming live, iowacatholicradio.com. And if you have the Iowa Catholic Radio app, you can listen to us nearly anywhere. We are brought to you, as always, uh, by Cartridge World. Um, for instance, if you're Bud and you're driving through the wilds of Indiana, You can rely on your robot phone, which I more and more distrust every day, or you could have used ink that you bought from Cartridge World to print out an actual map. When's the last time you printed out a map, bud? I don't know, but I'm pretty sure with how this is going today that in the future, radio programs will just be broadcast without posts. No, we'll we'll just think think our thoughts, and they'll go directly to the airwaves. That, um... No, that 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 would be very bad for business. I would not be able to be on a radio show. Uh, but, no, but when you when you do mention the um, the podcast, I have a friend who listens to our show while he mows the lawn. So I wonder if we could convince like a lemonade company to sponsor the Uncommon Good. A lemonade company. When you're mowing the lawn, you want a cold lap of lemonade. Oh, okay. I see the connection now. <laughs> Uh, so Cartridge World for your uh, lemonade uh, or future technology advertising needs in Windsor Heights. As always, also brought to you by Mercy College of Health Sciences. Uh, we're wrapping everything up. Uh, the semester's getting over. The thing with Thanksgiving is that is a, a sign that the finish line is coming up soon. Um, so that doesn't mean that uh, all things are uh, all endings, because, of course, every end of a semester is a beginning of a new one. 
And we're still enrolling people if you want to start in spring. One of the nice things about Mercy College is you can enroll fall, spring, or summer. And so uh, I know that people are have turkey on their mind, but when you're sitting there in your turkey coma, if you're thinking about maybe doing something different with your life, uh, we are still taking students for the spring semester. What, um, what students enrolling for the spring, what's, uh, what's an exciting course on the slate for the spring? Well, I mean, I teach servant leadership, and uh, are you doing bioethics in spring? Yeah, still doing bioethics. So both of those are pretty, uh, I would say, heart-pounding excitement 15 weeks straight uh so yeah i i the, i'm only doing servant leadership uh uh so i'm not doing a third class um but servant leadership is always fun and like i i keep telling people i have about one more semester where i can refer to teaching class with you and people not think that i have an imaginary friend so i need to i need yeah. to milk that for all it's worth in the spring the last group of kids that i can talk about when i taught with bud and they not think that i'm going crazy do you, uh, you, do you scapegoat me for a lot of things? Yeah. Well, I was talking about this, about, like, if I just need to, like, pull on, you know, pull out a, a full Freudian, like, uh, you know, get a puppet, and then everything bad in the class, you know, blame on the puppet. You know, that's why that's why your grading was late, is Bud didn't get to him, and everyone's, like, really uncomfortable as I scald a puppet. I, I figure this might be good, pe- uh, you know, teaching pedagogy. I haven't seen it in the literature. I was wondering if you heard anything about it. Oh man, if if I was in your shoes, I would blame you for so many things. Like, oh, that that exam was pretty terrible. You know, who wrote it? <laughs> <laughs> and have like have like a ready made picture of you where you're like shouting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just. <laughs> So and there, th- this is a good example of uh, when we teach a- an entire part of the course on scapegoating. It's, it can just be yeah. sort of like a, a live, lived-in example. Well, so as everybody is well aware, Bud is on the road. Many of you might be on the road. Many of you might have the day off. Uh, tomorrow is Thanksgiving, and so that means it's holiday time. I know it's one thing to start talking about Christmas when people are still wearing Halloween costumes, but truly, you get Thanksgiving under your belt, and that's in more ways than one. And then uh, Advent starts and Christmas is coming up. So what we were going to do today is have on one of our uncommon good all-stars, uh, Steve Wickmer, who's the Catholic movie guy, because, of course, a lot of movies start to come out precisely at this time. We thought maybe we could talk about the different movies, uh, holiday traditions, uh, what we're thankful for, and whatever shenanigans might come up. So we'll be having him on here in a bit, bud. Is it, uh, is it too early to broach the conversation of Christmas film? Christmas films? No, I'm sure that uh, I'm sure Steve has a ready-made salvo to bring up about Christmas films. So, no, oh, I, I know, I know, he, I know he does. I've heard the Catholic Movie Guy episode about it, but he had some good thoughts. It's kind of a, it, it's a fascinating discussion to get into, like what makes the quintessential Christmas movie. Well, I think we'll definitely get into that, but we'll also get into movies that are coming out now, ones that are out, and the ones that are coming out soon. So we'll be doing that in a minute with the Uncommon Good. It's Bo in the studio, Bud on the road. We'll be back with Steve Wickmer, the Catholic movie guy. Stick around. We'll be back in a minute. Hey, single mother, let's go to dinner. Single Parent Provision would like to treat you to a special evening in your honor. The 6th Annual Single Moms Christmas Dinner, including a catered meal, program, gifts, and prizes, all in the great company of single moms. Child care will be provided, complete with activities, games, and a meal for your kids as well. So join us December 9th at 5 p.m. in Vets Auditorium, located at 833 5th Avenue in Des Moines. The event is free, but registration is required by December 1st. Go to singleparentprovision.org for more details and register online today. 
The path towards priesthood looks different for each person. I'm Father Ross Parker, Vocations Director for the Diocese of Des Moines, and my journey started in elementary school and included college and coaching before I ever entered seminary. You may be in high school or college or working at a great job. If you would like to talk about what that path to priesthood might look like for you, give me a call at 515-237-5050 or online at vocationsonline.com. Support for The Uncommon Good is provided by Cartridge World. Cartridge World is an industry leader delivering high-performance printing products that help you save time, money, and print great. Perfect for businesses, home offices, college students, or busy moms trying to find affordable printing supplies including ink, toner, paper, or printers. For business customers, pickup and delivery are available. Products are guaranteed or full replacement. Cartridge World, your low-cost, environmentally friendly printing experts. 801 73rd Street in Windsor Heights, 515-564-7400 and online at cartridgeworld.com. Straight, flush, full house? Ah, you got them all. Join the ball team for their charity poker tournament to benefit Holding Tiny Hands. Holding Tiny Hands is a nonprofit that supports the parents of preemies and ill infants. The tournament will be on Friday, December 15th from 1 to 5 p.m. at the ball team office. Located at 10550 New York Avenue in Urbandale. A seat costs $100 and the top three finishers will win gift card prizes. RSVP to msmith at buildwithball.com by November 25th. So try out your poker face and support Holding Tiny Hands. We're back with the Uncommon Good, Bo Bonner and Dr. Bud Marr. I'm here on the st- in the studio. Bud is on the road somewhere around where Peyton Manning first got his start in the NFL. Have you seen Peyton Manning at all, Bud? No Peyton Manning sightings, but I'm really glad you guys worked out the capability to record this way today because it's going to make my trip seem faster. So I'm appreciative. That's, that's what we're here for, Bud. We're here for you. This hour is going to fly by. <laughs> also on the phone, we have Steve Wickmer coming to us from St. Louis. Steve Wickmer, the Catholic movie guy, among other things. You can listen to his podcast. I happen to be frequent on it. Uh, and then I'm also made fun of pretty much in all the other ones. Steve, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well. Thank you for having me on. And uh, I just wanted to compliment Bud on his uh, Theology of the Body joke. That was a 10 out of 10. That was great. <laughs> so we're already... The movie of Bud's life. This is a very good scene. Yeah, Steve, uh, I, 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 I myself was on a trip this last week in Wichita, so I caught up on a lot of the Catholic Movie Guy podcasts that I happened to miss. So I got to listen to your Godfather extravaganzas. And just for the people to know... Uh, Steve, I think, has his brother, Tin, the Tin Man, on so that you realize Steve is a good person because he doesn't hold all of the opinions the Tin Man does. But beyond that, I just wanted people to know, I do not claim to have a Ph.D., even though the Tin Man accuses me of such. It's just that you're so smart, Bo, that everyone assumes it, so just go with it. All right, that sounds that sounds false, but okay. Uh, well, so, Steve, there's a lot to talk about. Uh, you know, of course, when we get ready to go do Turkey Day, that really signals, at least in the movies, that this starts to be holiday season. We're going to get a lot of um, holiday-type movies coming up. We're getting the big releases. It seems like the new Warp and Weft of the World is every December, so- December something about Star Wars is coming out. So we have movies that are coming up, some great movies that have came that are in the theaters now and some of the really good ones that are coming uh to um Redbox and such like that. So, did you have anything you wanted to start with to, today, Steve? Well, you know, I am the Catholic movie guy and I I take the bullets so the audience doesn't have to. I've seen many movies, you know, in the past few months, but I I 
don't know that I've seen many great movies. So do you want to start with the the good, the bad, the ugly, what? Well, um, I was going to actually ask you a question because I think just for once in my life, I might have to jump on the Catholic movie guy. Have you got to see Coco yet, the new Pixar movie? I have, I have not, no. Okay, I watched that last night. It is fantastic. It's worth slumming through all of the terrible other kids' show previews that are out. So uh, that I, I'm going to at least just hold it out there that there are good movies coming out. But, but let's start with the ugly, since that's what you're saying predominates. Okay, so, so the ugly. And, and when I, you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of perverse, I guess, in this way. I would rather see a truly terrible movie than a mediocre movie. And the, probably the platonic form of mediocre movie is the new Justice League. <laughs> it's, uh, I mean, it is sound and fury signifying absolutely nothing. Uh, just a debacle, and you know, and it wasn't even it wasn't even terrible. I don't, I can't describe it. It's just it is it does everything wrong when you want to engage your audience. I have a I've I've kind of honed this, uh, you know, through years of rigorous training in the Far East of movie watching, <laughs> this uh, sort of saber movie metric system, you know. And the first question is, did I fall asleep during the movie? I didn't fall asleep during the movie, so it wasn't that that bad. But the second question is, did I care? And I, I did not. I don't know if you've seen this, but I just I couldn't care less about what's what the, the spectacle on the screen. So to me, that that is the ultimate movie sin. Yeah, I think that uh, it, I can't be brought to care uh, just you know to go watch it. So I can't imagine what it's like to be sitting there. And it seemed like a movie is, is saying absolutely nothing to you. But you're driving currently through the hinterlands of Indianapolis. Would you rather be doing that or watching Justice League? <laughs> I think with Steve's recommendation, I'm going to pass on Justice League. So I appreciate you <laughs> hearing me. Keep me on the straight and narrow. I don't know, is it bad enough to um, put a dent in the, the heavy comic book production? I, I don't like know. You know I, I don't Slow down the comic book production. I don't think so because it still makes enough money to justify it. But you know, it's just it combines all the worst things that a comic movie can do. It's like it has this guy have superpowers. They introduce two new characters, Cyborg and uh, Aquaman, and you don't get any sense, especially with Cyborg. What is what is this? What is this being? He's a half robot, half human. But does he have a limit on yeah. powers? At some point, he seems omnipotent. So you can't get a handle on you know the the stakes involved because you don't know how powerful these characters are. It also has some of the worst 2017 CGI on the villain, who's who's totally totally lame anyway, and uh, and uh, you know just so many mono dialogues about moral issues that no one has a has a real problem with, and the, the characters don't talk in a way that those you, know, you would if you were in that situation. It's just it's just a debacle, just a complete debacle. Well. A while back, I sat through that one where Batman fights Superman, and yeah. that felt that felt interminable. I mean, I, I that was like sort of uh, fingernails on the chalkboard in my soul. Well, how would you rate compare the two, or did you did you see that first one? Yeah, I mean, I think that it, it's it's bad in a different way. You know, I, I, okay. I can't really explain it because I don't I don't want to spoil too much. I guess you know people are going to see this. People are seeing this. Um, but it's, it's just, it's just, it's even, it's more mediocre, you know, it's more of a, of a vanilla type of bad than that movie, yeah. you know, that movie yeah. at least was something, uh, but this one, it's just, you know, eh, it's okay, it's Diet Coke, it's fine, whatever. <laughs> Is it caffeine-free Diet Coke, yeah. so like you don't even wake up after you drink <laughs> exactly. it? 
That that you have bested me. That is the perfect description. It's not even Diet Coke. It's caffeine free Diet Coke. Well, not to uh, cause uh, you know instant strife, more things for families to fight about over the Thanksgiving table. Um, but DC versus Marvel movies, I can understand people worrying about the sort of sheer inundation of all things comic book, and particularly Marvel Studios really playing a hand in that. But I was wondering if you wanted to go next to comparing the, the, the other big Marvel uh, the, uh, movie title that came out, Thor Ragnarok. Uh, you're going to compare those two? What did you think about that one? Yeah, I, I I really loved the Thor movie, and you know it's pretty it's pretty low stakes. It's nothing that, that you know I would I would go back and try to find great uh, insight into the human condition or anything like that. But it, it's the exact opposite of what it's what Justice League could have been under competent uh, writing and directing. It's it's fun. It's a joy to watch. It's a spectacle. It sounds it like Bud is having Ra- Ragnarok in his in his van right now. <laughs> it's true. That's every favorite that- car trip. Does the Thor film have kind of like a unique aesthetic going on? Like when I see the previews, it looks really colorful or something. Yeah, I mean, it depends on what you mean by unique. You know, I, I would say it's kind of a pastiche of the uh, of what Marvel's done well recently. It's got a little bit of Doctor Strange in there. It's got a little bit of the Avengers uh, in there. It's got a, a little bit of the Guardians in there. And uh, even though you're kind of, you know, I wouldn't say I saw anything like I've never seen before, but the way it was done was, incredibly um competent it was beautiful it was uh it was original enough it was a, it was a new version of the the old song that that kept you interested and um you know that that's what what justice league should have been it doesn't you know a movie that takes itself seriously enough to make you care while you're watching it but also has enough fun with itself realizing that you know these are all people in tight pants hitting each other in a in a very stylized way yeah, and not to name other particular reviewers to disagree with, but it's it's one that people listening to the show are more likely to have read, if that makes sense. Um, some of these reviewers are saying, well, in the, you know, Ragnarok, like it presents a world where nothing really matters, and like you know, in the end, like what's what's the difference between what happens or what doesn't? Again, not like spoiling things. I really thought that that was pretty tone deaf. I thought the movie, as as funny and lighthearted as you said it was about itself, um, really did try to like bring up some really interesting ideas about what's truly important and and maybe why is it that we get obsessed with um, with, with placeholders for what's really important. And again, I'm, I'm trying to be vague to not spoil it for people. So if the idea or if you're getting a vibe from certain reviews that. Thor, you know, the the new movie doesn't have high enough stakes, as it were. I, I kind of thought that really missed the boat. I, I thought it did a pretty good job of weighing those two together. Yeah, I, I know exactly which review you're talking about, and I, I couldn't agree more. I, I do respect the reviewer, of course. Um, but I think, you know, with me, especially with a, a comic book movie, um, I just I try to go in and I try to pick up, I try to give it the benefit of the doubt and pick up on those those good themes and instead of, you know, looking for any excuse to, to rip it, because obviously it's going to be somewhat slight being a comic book movie. But, I, yeah, I couldn't disagree more. I thought the movie presented, um, it introduced new characters in a way that you got a sense of who they were, why their motivation, their powers. Uh, it introduced, reintroduced old characters, reacquainted you with them, fleshed them out, and it did give you a sense of exactly what Ragnarok was and, and, and the true meaning of, uh, you know, Life on Asgard. I'll just leave it at that. So yeah, I, I can completely agree with you. I thought it was 
I thought it was great for what it was, absolutely. And then anything that involves Vikings, if it doesn't include the, the massively huge She-Wolf, it has failed. This one fulfills all of your massively huge uh, She-Wolf needs. It is, uh, oh, nice. Yeah, it is a, a very awesome yeah, if, character. <laughs> if you only see one She-Wolf, She-Wolf-based movie this fall, see this movie. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> all right. Guys, I haven't, t- I haven't told you about my She-Wolf project that I've been developing my free time. <laughs> Gonna <laughs> it's gonna be it's gonna be fantastic. This is the Uncommon Good with Bo Bonner and Doctor Bud Marr. We're speaking with Steve Wickmer, the Catholic movie guy, uh, bringing you up to date on movies that are out right now, ones that are coming up. All right, Steve, where are we gonna go to next? Well, let's, uh, while we're staying with the good on Thor, let's go to the. I guess we'll go to the great. How about that? We'll, let's talk about Blade Runner because I think that's the best movie of this this quarter of the year. Certainly, I agree. Okay, um, go ahead. Yeah, so I know we're kind of simpatico on this, but. You know, the director, uh, Denise Villeneuve, he is fantastic. His last offering was Arrival, a, you know, a well, well, uh, reputed pro-life movie. And here he goes again with another, I think, extremely, um, humane, life-affirming movie, um, that, you know, it deals with all the big issues, you know, technology writ large and, and its effects on, uh, dehumanizing humanity. Uh, what is the essence of humanity? But it does it in a way that's not just ponderous moralizing. Even though it's an incredibly long movie, uh, I never felt that it got bogged down. And a, a great part of that, uh, the reason why, is it's a visually stunning movie. I mean, the world building, it builds off of what Ridley Scott did in the original Blade Runner. But, you know, it feels like a world that you could see actually existing. It's at the same time beautiful and horrifying. And the acting was top-notch. It was just just a fantastic movie. I think it's important to, you know, in 2017 when people can do nearly anything they want to CGI-wise, um, ha- half the battle is restraint, and then the other half is, uh, you know, having an, an integrated way that you're presenting the spectacle. You know, you don't just, like, one-off, like, look at this crazy thing. You really do go, okay, this permeates the movie, it makes sense, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. And uh, I think Thor does that. Justice League, it sounds like, whiffs on it big time. Um, Blade Runner really just hits the ball out of the park. It's like you said, you get an hour and a half in this movie, and they're showing the future that's this bleak apocalypse, but it's you, you, you believe every moment. So when they introduce some sort of like new technology that, of course, we don't have because it's the future, you don't go like, oh, what's that? You go like, oh, yeah, of course, that's what they would do. You know, it, 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 and when movies can make you enter into the world like that, I think that that uh, speaks volumes, um, not only of their restraint, their integ- you know, their, but their ability to integ- integrate all the parts of the movie-watching experience. Yeah, you know, you saying that kind of, it makes me think, like, a lot of times when you're in a future movie, the, you, you see a gadget or, or or some sort of implement, and you're like, wow, that's really cool. But when you think about it, it's just a big Rube Goldberg device, you right. know, like, like, like it's like, I don't know, the Jetsons where, you know, the, the machine that, that grooms you in the morning and shaves you, and actually, you know, no one would ever go through that, and it, it horribly malfunctions and sprays you with shaving cream and all that. This movie, every advance, seems believable and i mean just you know we're in 2017 but his one of the main parts of this movie is ryan gosling's character has a a hologram assistant and i could see that technology and it kind of it delineates little details like how far in the room she can go with this certain you know projector at the top and and things like that and it's all incredibly believable i really admire the uh, the creative imagination being tempered by 
you know, how would this how would this be effectuated practically? But what uh what technology from 2049 would you like to be using right now in your trip through Indiana? Well, I'm not sure, but what you guys are talking about, like, I think that's really important with science fiction films, like how you present the futuristic elements. And, you know, I, I've seen directors, it, it seems like the harder they try, the quicker the movie becomes dated. But, Bo, you know, like in our bioethics course, we used to show that film Gattaca. And in that film, they did almost like this retro, what, what would you say, like a 1950s era type feel? Yeah. So it, it had the technology. But instead of trying to guess like what people were wearing in the future, it gave it kind of like this crime noir thing going on. You know what I'm saying? And it, it's almost allowed the movie to age better than to try to go like the Jetson sort of guess, you know, how everything's going to go down in the future. Yeah, I think that any any movie that goes like we're gonna we're gonna do the cutting edge of whatever technology is right now within five years will like everybody goes like oh everyone does that right. Uh, only a very few movies stand out like that in their weirdness. I mean, I think like, like the matrix, the first one you go, Oh wow. That really was just a sort of stunning way to imagine using all that technology. Uh, the next two came out and you're like, boring, slow bullets, whatever, you know? So the people who want to like wed themselves too much to the innovation are quickly going to look like fools. But man, there's something about the great science fiction movies, Gattaca, Star Wars, of course, but Blade Runner, the first one, and then this new one. I, I, I'm, I'm really guessing that a few decades from now, people will look at this Blade Runner and go that it, it's still worthy of the conversation. Well, but one thing that you pointed out to me about the Star Wars film is like episode one through three, George Lucas tried to go to like this kind of like shiny, glittery feel, and it. And missed this, like, Rogue One got back to sort of, like, the future might be really, like, it might have a feel of, like, things breaking down because, you know, of the depletion of resources or something like that. So it kind of recovered the the aesthetic of the original one. Yeah, and I, I think that, uh, the Steve, wouldn't you say this? that's exactly the sort of what, what Blade Runner franchise gets at, is that the future can be advanced but somehow w- still way rougher and worse. <laughs> Exactly, and you know, you brought up the prequels. Uh, I, I just have I, I have prequel PTSD, but that's exactly right. There's some really cool. Sorry, if you can't ignore the fact they're obviously fake uh, worlds and ideas in the prequels, but you never get to the point where it's like, okay, this makes sense. This is how people on this planet or in this system would actually live. It, yeah. it fails spectacularly in a way that Blade Runner doesn't. One thing I to to say so far, some of the movies we mentioned is, of course, they're rated all over the place and for different people. You know, Coco, uh, of course, is for the family, and I'd say that it's it'd be perfect to watch with the family. Great. I, I wish they would have actually released it before the Day of the Dead, but you know, whatever. They released it in November. Um, then uh, Justice League. You know, I don't know. Is it safe to even let your pets watch it, Steve, or is it like so boring that you shouldn't? ask any human to watch it what, what's your call on that one uh, <laughs> okay so I, I think that so i think that's no caffeine you yeah, know. i think that's it, I it's not, it, all. it won't it won't probably do long-term damage to you you know but i mean you might like get whiplash from your head you know falling back when you fall asleep something like that but it, it should be okay morally speaking it's on par with the with the wonder woman i mean you know it's it's kind of a uh, it's appropriately PG thirteen I think. And wouldn't you say like Thor Ragnarok's that way too? I mean I I'm not a, yeah, I'm not Thor remembering. Thor has a little more. Thor has just a little more innuendo, but yeah. it's, it's in the same ballpark. Yeah, that's true. 
Blade Runner 2049 is definitively for adults, and we don't want to deny that. First of all, just for the sheer how scary and depressing the movie can be, um, A, and then B, the really sort of the, the topics that it's talking about, language. The, even though it's, it's violent, though, I still don't think it's like a gore violence fest. The big thing that it probably gets t- spoken of in the public is that there is nudity in it, and, and very much so and unavoidably. The strange thing about it is I would argue that it might be some of the least gratuitous nudity I've seen in a modern film in a long time. It still doesn't mean it's for kids or those who are easily... Uh, led astray by those sort of things but just to give the the movie credit um any time that 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 nudity shows up it's almost always for the effect of of terror or sort of sadness and not um you know so i'm thinking of like there's films that that demonstrate uh the sort of brutality of people like you know they they show the, the dead naked bodies at auschwitz or something like this uh, and so, you know, wh- whether you want to debate whether it should be in films at all or not, I'm only throwing out that this movie's not very gratuitous, either in its violence or its nudity, but it is definitively rated R. Right, yeah, I, I, yeah. I don't know, you know, I'm not going to, I don't remember every specific instance, if it was strictly speaking necessary, but certainly every time there is nudity, it only it is not lascivious, it's not titillating, it's served to to underscore the point that this is dehumanizing, not not uh, something to be lauded. So, yes, I agree. It's not gratuitous. And I think that that's one thing, too, that's caught me by surprise is there's a way in which people like just have a checklist about movies. If it does this, that, or the other, it must be this kind of movie. Oh, blank, 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 blank. And Blade Runner got this sort of treatment all over the place where it was like, oh, you see how people, for instance, treat women in this uh, movie it's anti-female, and you. I think you and I talked about this in, in your podcast. I think the entire point is that's done to show you how terrible this world is, and that it also seems to forget that many of the leaders of the good guys in this movie actually are female. But not to belabor that point, just to bring up this other one, when you're out there looking at movie reviews or you're hearing people talk about movies, I, I guess maybe because there's so many coming at us and there's so many vehicles in which you can watch movies, that people will do this. They'll make the sort of easy checklist. Um, and frankly, uh, Steve, that's why we need heroes like you to actually give us uh, good reviews of movies and not just the check off the checklist movie descriptions. That's right, Bo. I am the hero you need, not the hero you deserve. <laughs> well, Steve, we're getting ready to go to the break. Can you can you stick around and uh, join us uh, after our break? Uh, I suppose. And then, uh, Bud, are you still on a highway, or are you, like, in a canyon or the woods of Indiana? I'm kind of, I'm crashing through the brush right now and about to cross the park, but I think I can keep the family alive. So All right. I'll do my best. Well, we'll be back in a minute, a minute or so then with the Uncommon Good. Bo Bonner, Dr. Bud Mars, speaking with Steve Wickmer, the Catholic movie guy. Stick around. Straight, flush, full house? Ah, you got them all. Join the ball team for their charity poker tournament to benefit Holding Tiny Hands. Holding Tiny Hands is a nonprofit that supports the parents of preemies and ill infants. The tournament will be on Friday, December 15th from 1 to 5 p.m. at the ball team office. Located at 10550 New York Avenue in Urbandale. A seat costs $100 and the top three finishers will win gift card prizes. RSVP to msmith at buildwithball.com by November 25th. So try out your poker face and support Holding Tiny Hands. 
Hey friends, John Linetti here, and I want to thank Plaza Dental Group for underwriting my show. Plaza Dental Group makes their patients feel comfortable and right at home, like one of the family. Catholic-owned, they offer cosmetic dentistry and implants, six-month smiles, and Invisalign, an alternative to traditional braces, along with mercury-free dentistry. Plaza Dental Group, comfortable dentistry, 515-344-3523. Online at dmsmiles.com. Support for The Uncommon Good is provided by Cartridge World. Cartridge World is an industry leader delivering high-performance printing products that help you save time, money, and print great. Perfect for businesses, home offices, college students, or busy moms trying to find affordable printing supplies, including ink, toner, paper, or printers. For business customers, pickup and delivery are available. Products are guaranteed or full replacement. Cartridge World, your low-cost, environmentally friendly printing experts. 801 73rd Street in Windsor Heights, 515-564-7400 and online at cartridgeworld.com. Thank you to Tamiya and Sons for your support of Dowling Catholic Football. Tamiya and Sons is an Italian family restaurant with old country authentic Italian food. Enjoy the local atmosphere where you may even spot a priest, politician, or even Willie Farrell. Take advantage of Tamiya and Sons bocce ball court with the kids while enjoying Tamiya's homemade bread, pasta, and real Italian homemade desserts. Tamiya and Sons is located on Southeast 1st Street, just south of downtown Des Moines and around the corner from Graziano Brothers. 515-282-7976. TamiyaandSons.net. Back with the Uncommon Good, Bo Bonner here in the studio. Dr. Budmar out on assignment with his family in Indiana. And Steve Wickmer coming to us from good old St. Lou. Everybody back with us? Are you safe, Bud? Yeah, and I can confirm that last commercial. You you are very likely to see a priest that's me on that's right. So, <laughs> I think I, I corroborate that. That, that. that is actually true. Steve, uh, we've been going through talking about movies that are out now. Uh, like you said, uh, starting with Thanksgiving, this really amps up the holiday movie season. So you have people who've tried to put out um, some heavy hitters that play through Thanksgiving, some stuff coming up uh, soon. Where do you want to go to next talking about our movie extravaganza, Steve? So I have one other good movie that I've seen recently that I'd like to bring up to the panel, if I may. Sounds good. Um, and it's called it's called Wonder, and it's uh, starring Julia Roberts, Owen Wilson, and the young man who's in Room, one of my my favorite movie of twenty uh, of twenty fifteen. Um, but I I can't remember his name off the top of my head. But it's a fantastic movie, and uh, have you heard of it? So I went and watched Wonderstruck, thinking that it was this movie. No, different movie. <laughs> yeah, different movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah. No, I haven't got yeah. to watch this one. <laughs> okay. So, I mean, I, I don't know what to say about this movie, except it, it's, a, it's like a glorified Lifetime movie, and I mean that as a compliment. Yeah. So I know it probably doesn't sound like it, but it's like everything those uh, Hallmark, one, you know, Lifetime, the good ones try to do, the... The warm, fuzzy feeling and, and the coming together of all humanity and, and blah blah blue. Yeah. Um, this that movie actually does in a very competent, good way. It's about this young man who has was born with severe facial deformities, and he's been homeschooled his whole life until I believe it's fourth grade or fifth grade. Can't remember. And his parents decide they're going to uh, finally, you know, let him go out in the world. He's so terrified of the world that he actually wears an astronaut helmet. He wants to be an astronaut someday. Uh, to, to cover his face when he goes out in public. So it's quite the traumatic incident, um, you know, finally being forced into a, a public school. And, you know, it's competently acted. It has, it has great direction, all that. But the thing that, that really struck me about this movie is it's not just about the boy, you know, and, and his struggles, of course. 
but it's, it also focuses on he has a sibling, an older sister. And in a lesser movie, you know, maybe this sister would be just uh, a side character to support him or would just be completely petulant, you know, attention-getting. You know, right. why do you pay attention to my brother? But in this movie, she really, to me, was kind of the star of the movie and her character and her struggles because she's an actual good person. How do you, how do you deal with that when, when your brother, who rightly is the center of all attention of your parents, uh, and you're just trying to, you know, become an adult? So just a, fa- a fantastic movie. Uh, I cried a couple times, I'm ashamed to admit, but a uh, very, very good movie. <laughs> No, that sounds uh, so. Wonderstruck tried to pull off the sort of, um, I always call it the 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 Steven Spielberg mystique, you know, where you're supposed to have like a twinkle in your mm-hmm. eye and remember the old days sort of deal. <laughs> um, in that movie, and again, it's funny that one's called Wonder and one's called Wonderstruck because uh, so in Wonderstruck, it's about two deaf children uh, in two different eras. One is in uh, 1927 New York, and the other is 1970s New York. And uh, it's a movie that tries to pull off way too much than it can actually pull off. It's also very only New Yorkers think people care this much about New York. You know, it's all like, look at us go by this part of New York. Now look at us do it 50 years later. And everything's about museums and like evidently everyone in New York loves museums and stuff like this. Uh, and the, But I'll give you this. The 20s part, they do like a silent film and it's really neat. The 70s one... Uh, they go all out making it 1970s New York. So, like, the whole place looks like a trash fire. And everybody, let me say, yeah. wears interesting clothing choices. I'll put it that way. Um, so it sounds like Wonder pulled off what Wonderstruck tried too hard to do. Uh, you know, we, we talked about restraint in CGI. I think sometimes people need, need a, a good old dose of restraint in storytelling as well. Because this movie really was like, let's do it all. Let's talk about if you go to an, a, a museum in New York, you can save your soul. And you're like, pump the brakes, <laughs> pump the brakes, there, guys. Which museum? Um, yeah, no, it, it's uh, it, it's it's great because you know this movie. Spoiler alert: No one gets shot, nothing blows up. It's it's uh, no one goes into the future or the past. It's just a you know a very a very good lesson, and less is more. And uh, the restraint shown in in the with the director, high, you know serves to highlight the character development and the, the themes of the movie. And it's also, you know, you were saying, is this safe for your, your family? This is, I believe, rate, rated PG. Um, and the reason that it is rated PG is that, you know, it's not trying to do any anyway. There's like one scene where the, the marital couple is, you know, talking about, you know, loving each other. Uh, but it, it's just, it's totally family friendly. Um, I mean, the, the themes are mature. So in that sense. You know, you probably don't want to take a five-year-old to deal with bullying and, and all the, the facial deformities and birth defects. But it's, it's one of those films that's so rare that ever you can watch without any hesitation in front of your kids. So it's, it's great. Um, Bud, you, in your current state with your family right now on the, 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 the wilderness of Indiana, would you use the word wonder in any way to speak about it? Oh, I wonder. Yeah. Steve, <laughs> could I... Could I... Could I <laughs> Could I, uh, could I use the film as, like, subtle propaganda for homeschooling, or is that an angle, like, with friends? Yeah, I was afraid to tread. Uh, I was treading lightly there. Oh, no. Yes, it is a great advertisement for homeschooling in two senses. One, 
it produces a, a kid who's smarter than all of his classmates, as we all know. No offense to you, you public schoolers out there. Um, <laughs> and he, he's well-adjusted. He's, he's socialized, even though he's really, you know, not been a, a terribly social kid. And he, he comments, you know, about science class. He's like, well, yeah, it's nowhere near as hard as mom's science. So it, it is a great, uh, a great homeschooling uh, propaganda piece. But it also paints the public schools uh, in, a, in a good light because, you know, there are good souls there. He does get adjusted. He, he has great teachers, all that. So I think everybody wins, you know, whatever your, your choice of schooling. Man, this, this sounds like the perfect date movie for, for me and Rachel. Like, exactly right. This is a movie that, that, yeah, yeah. I if think you, you if just... you're in the trad Catholic circles. You park somewhere, like you go to a Sonic in Indiana, bud, like, you know, yeah. Gary, leave the kids, you guys walk over to the movie theater. I think it's going to work out. I think this is a beautiful start to Thanksgiving break for you. <laughs> Here, Madeline, keep everyone alive for the next hour and a half. This is The Uncommon Good with Bo Bonner and Dr. Bud Marr. We're speaking with Steve Wickmer, the Catholic movie guy here in the Mercy Live Up studios. Uh, all right, Steve, so you said that finishes off the good. So are you wanting to go to bad or you want to talk about movies that are coming up or what? Let's do two decent ones very quickly. They don't merit a lot of discussion. Okay. Uh, the first, if you're looking for like a movie, you don't have to like really wrestle with deep themes. You just want to have an entertaining night that doesn't, you know, offend you or put you to sleep. Um, Mur- Murder on the Orient Express, which is based off an Agatha Christie novel of the same name. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you like murder mysteries, if you like Agatha Christie, I don't see how you can't like it. The acting is fantastic, particularly um, Josh Gad who I had no no expectation would be great is uh, fantastic in the movie and it's it's you know it's beautiful it's very well acted competently done uh, but nothing that you're going to have to like uh, think about for 5 seconds afterward right uh, and then if you're looking for a, a guy type movie the foreigner with Jackie Chan I really enjoyed it uh it has Pierce Brosnan playing an actual Irishman for once Jackie Chan is uh, a man who's lived a hard life and is trying to do right and uh, just thoroughly entertaining. So those are a couple ones if you just want to see a movie to to enjoy the popcorn and have a good time. Uh, I could recommend them, and nothing terribly immoral about either one. Particularly Murder on the Burning Express, nothing immoral at all. I have the one that I would throw out that I haven't decided yet about how great I think it is, but I think people should watch it because at the very least it's visually entertaining. Um, the movie Loving Vincent, which is an for one of the first movies animated entirely in paint so it's all painted like Vincent van Gogh's paintings and uh the characters come from his paintings it's not about his life like per se it's about an event that happens after his death and there's flashbacks talking about Vincent van Gogh um and then I was talking to my wife who knows quite a bit about his life and it sounds like of course they've maybe done a little bit uh you know taking liberties to make the story work out. But at the very least, you will go away being amazed that they were able to animate this in sort of Vincent van Gogh-type painting and, and, it, and it not be only about that. It, it really does work as a movie. So that one might be a little lesser well-known, but Loving Vincent would be another one that I think if you just need something, um, you could go watch that one. So, so I heard your discussion before I got on about uh, Bud was starting to prod into the yeah. Christmas movie territory. Are we? Are we? Can we? Can we uh, broach the subject? Oh yeah, that's why we have you on. We brought out the big guns to talk about this. All right. So, so I want to say, you know, if you're a real Catholic, you won't watch any Christmas movie until December 24th at the earliest. <laughs> but if you happen to, if you happen to watch a little earlier, uh, what what is your favorite Christmas movie? Each of you. It, do we count Star Wars Under movies now because they're on they're on in December no matter what? Oh no 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 no! Oh. It has to it has to be centered around Christmas in some fashion. Okay, Bud, 
What What is Indiana making you think about in terms of Christmas movies? Well, I'm I'm a huge fan of Christmas movies, and I have to say, every single Christmas season, I watch both Home Alone and National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. And if I had to choose just one, like if the house was on fire and I could save only one, it'd probably have to be National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation because it blends nostalgia with like the joys of family life, but also a lot of good slapstick humor. So that's that's way at the top of the list for me. Yeah, I'm going to have to go between National Lampoon's and Elf. I know that makes me a terrible person probably in Steve's mind, but uh, Elf is not awesome uh it's funny enough and then but like my kids you know they all know who buddy the elf is and they think he's pretty funny so sorry steve i can no, absolutely i can no, hear no, your no. i love elf oh, okay I love you love it. elf okay no 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 i do uh, uh good you didn't step on my toes at all excellent so my I, I love those movies they're all great choices my two current favorites every year that i watch without fail i, I usually watch home alone and national lampoons and elf too but uh, for the adult crowd, I love the movie Scrooged with Bill Murray. Yeah. Is anyone a Scrooge fan? <laughs> okay, I forgot about that one. <laughs> that one's good. Oh man, too. no, 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 no! Don't. It's uh, it's it's some you know, a little body, a little vulgar take on the Christmas Carol, but I just I, I, I love it. I think Bill Murray's hilarious. Um, it's got a star-studded cast. I highly recommend that one. And then my my true favorite Christmas movie, and you can look down on me if you want. And I think. The definitive take on the Christmas Carol is the Muppets Christmas Carol. Oh, that's, no. That's yeah, the, the Muppets Christmas Carol is really good. Oh, I always forget about yeah. that. Yeah, that is a good one. Well, yeah, I know and, this and one. The kids love it. I love it. It's fantastic. Yeah. This one divides a lot of people, and I find that they either love it or hate it. But Rachel and I are pretty big fans of A Christmas Story, and it kind of captures a certain era of American life, and it shows, like, the joys and the frustrations of fatherhood. I don't know. There, there's just some really iconic moments, like the kid getting his his tongue stuck to the to the telephone pole, or like uh, when the mom convinces the little like toddler or the the five year old probably to eat his mashed potatoes. I don't know. I think it's I think it's got some really funny moments. I can I guess I can understand why some people find it a little over the top or obnoxious. I'm just pro us eating more Chinese food during the the holiday okay. season. <laughs> Yes, I, when I was a kid, I thought that was the best thing. Like, I'm like, you don't have to eat Christmas food. What? It was great. You know, yeah. that, that's fantastic. Is this where one? Yeah, I... No, I think it's just become so ubiquitous that people yeah, know, kind of rag on it. But it is, you know, it is. It, it captures a certain style of American life. There's no doubt about that. So, have you have you convinced the Tin Man to watch National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation yet? Nope, nope, can't do it. Won't oh, do man. it. On the podcast, I don't know. He hates that. he hate he he hates broad comedies for 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 some reason. I don't know. Okay, so he's uh, a big fan. He's a big fan of um, what's the famous one where the guy almost commits suicide and is that a wonderful life? Oh it, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's a wonderful life. That's a touchy subject for me too because I don't I don't hate it, but um, you know I I did not watch it growing up. And I, I watched it for the first time as an adult, and it just it doesn't totally work for me personally. No, I, yeah, I, I'm with you there. I think that's fair. I think the other thing, of course, that whenever you get in a Christmas movie, someone's inevitably supposed to ask if Die Hard is a Christmas movie. I feel like that's 
you know that like just by fate it's like ragnarok steve like someone has to ask this question of is die hard a, a christmas movie is it a christmas movie if christmas shows up into it blah 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 so i know you rehearsed this right. do, do, you, do you have any like quick barbs to throw out to the audience about what makes a christmas movie well yeah i'm actually um i'm actually i didn't tell anyone but i'm starting to become a phd in moviology and my thesis is actually or my dissertation what do you do to get a phd whatever it is yeah it's on what makes a christmas movie a christmas movie so i feel like i can weigh in confidently you can't say that it has to be about jesus or else you know all of these movies are out the window so when i say christmas movie what i mean is the season of christmas right right and if you if you broaden it to that then you know i think for me, Die Hard probably gets, you know, is Christmas an essential part of that plot? And I think in a way this one is, it's about families coming together. The only reason he's coming is for Christmas. He's giving her her Christmas gift. They're spending Christmas as a family. Nakatomi Towers goes down, and, and it's a Christmas movie to me, man. I don't know. It is. Yeah. That's why we have the annual uh, practice in our family of walking barefoot on glass that has been broken by terrorists. Because of Die an Hard. ancient right. tradition, an ancient tradition. <laughs> well, so <laughs> it, with the last, <laughs> the last part of the show, Steve. Uh, so there are movies that people are endlessly ramping up about what we should go see. I think the obvious one that we should talk about in the room is uh, the Last Jedi, the next installment of Star Wars. Do you have any thoughts from the trailers about what, what you're thinking of this? Are, are, are we are we set up to be disappointed? Because of the the advertising campaign, is it still mysterious enough? What what are your thoughts on that? I think it's I think it's a, a you know it's it's a sign of the times that the Last Jedi trailer has probably been written more about and reviewed more now than like you know uh, a Charlie Chaplin film. I mean, it's unbelievable. This thing has been dissected to death, and we don't even know anything about it. I'm going in with an open mind. Uh, I'm not, I gotta say, I'm just not as excited as I, as I should be. I'm not nearly as excited as I was for The Force Awakens. I fear that, you know, we're, we're just getting overload on this. It used to be an event, you know, and now it's just another, another chapter in the, the Star Wars saga. So I'm not terribly excited. Of course, I will go see it, and, uh, hopefully the, the movie will be good enough that it, it changes my mind. Well, I don't think they help themselves out by, like, sort of showing these trailers and then saying, like, they're planning for 12 more movies or whatever it was and then maybe even <laughs> exactly maybe even a show you know and it just uh, all of this stuff and you're just like oh my goodness um people you gotta you gotta you know slow the jets down i feel like we're set up for a letdown because episode um, three was the best of the prequels and then these last two movies have been have been really fun really good so i don't know it's just I'm pessimistic. I'm a pessimistic sports fan. I'm a pessimistic movie goer. So, I think you're. I think life has uh, has 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 purchased that well for you, bud. Um, let me think. What else is it big? Oh, I don't know if Incredibles is Incredibles two coming out over the holidays, or is that actually later that it's coming out? No, no, that's way down the road. Okay, that they're just only now announcing it. Okay, what else is coming out uh, for Christmas that they're bombarding us with? Well, I'll tell you what, I, for, for me, what I'm looking forward to is a movie called Three Billboards Outside of Ebbing, Missouri. I don't know if you've heard of that one, mm-hmm. um, starring Francis McDormand. And it's been, you know, in like limited release for a long time. But when it finally comes to my podunk town of St. Louis, I'm going to, you know, be the first one buying a ticket because uh, 
it's got you know it's got it's got everything that I like in a in a in a, a small story, uh, competent acting. It's actually um, uh, scored by the the same man who does the Coen Brothers movies, keeping with the Francis McDormand theme. And I'm just really looking forward to a, a movie that doesn't try to like have the fate of the galaxy or the world or the cosmos on its mind. It just examines you know here's a murder and here's 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 how someone reacts to that in a very small way. So hopefully more on the uh, small scale, small scale human storytelling like Wonder. I'm kind of, I'm kind of overloaded with the superhero vibe lately. Bud, you got anything coming up that you you're you're anxious to go see? No, I for whatever reason I'm not as disciplined as you guys are about getting out to film in the theater. So for me, it's a lot of DVD watching. I have been showing up Madeline, my oldest daughter, the Indiana Jones Jones film, and so she wants to be an archaeologist now. <laughs> Did you tell her that there is a discernibly less amount of whips involved than those movies make it seem like for archaeologists? I tried to explain this to her, but the idea of like dodging rocks and you know wading through snake pits just sounds too enticing. I don't know about you guys, but the archaeology <laughs> department in your schools when you were an undergrad decidedly not like Indiana Jones uh, at all. So I don't know. Did any of you guys have? Anybody named after a state who hated snakes and could uh, swing on trees with a whip? No, my mentor. I, I just want to say. Oh, go ahead, Steve. Uh, no, no, you first. You first. Uh, my mentor at John Brown University was—he actually is an archaeologist, and he's assured me that it's a much more boring vocation than Harrison Ford makes it out to be. Yeah, I, I just want to say that I think that the archaeology is displayed in uh, Indiana Jones probably translate to uh, to lawyering in movies compared to my job. Uh, do not be fooled, kids. These are movies. Not a John Grisham novel. <laughs> no, yeah. Every, every day I'm tracking down some new bit of evidence. In this... movies. Yeah, no, not exactly. <laughs> uh, you know who actually... I do, I, do, I do conference calls a lot, though. So there you go. <laughs> The the clo the closest of our three like sort of philosophy people how they're portrayed in most movies is relatively accurate because philosophers are bums who get involved in stuff and metal and things they shouldn't <laughs> so like pretty that's much right. any time they show up in movies you're like oh yeah that's totally believable that's what a philosopher might do. <laughs> The only, the only uh, believable part of most lawyers in movies is that they're usually like high-strung, degenerate, <laughs> alcoholic types. You know that that's accurate, but the actual excitement <laughs> of the job, not so much. <laughs> the, to bring it all together, I had a friend who um, he he worked in uh, for the Bureau of Land Management, and it was about um, uh, requisition of Native American um, properties that, like, oil companies would find when they were digging for oil in Wyoming. And he pointed out, like, so he he had a – he had studied in both American and, and Native American law. So that's why they brought him in to talk about, like, who does this belong to? How do you figure these things out and stuff like that? And he said Indiana Jones is basically just, like, one long – uh, demonstration about how many lawsuits would occur because Indiana Jones is just going and stealing antiquities from other countries, and that it's uh, basically uh, how not to be an archaeologist. So I thought that was a, a pretty compelling way to to understand those those films. Well, but since we're nearing the end of the show, I want to make sure we got in there that you know um, we're dispensed from Friday fasting on the day after Thanksgiving, so. Everybody have a blessed Thanksgiving, but also pound those cold turkey sandwiches on Friday. 
<laughs> oh, don't worry. The, the turkeys, the turkeys won't the turkey know. Will You're not doing tofurkey this year. No, absolutely not. I believe that God exists, so I will not be doing tofurkey. Uh, Steve, we're we're reaching the end of our time. Uh, is there any sort of last minute advice from the Catholic movie guy that you want to throw out to the crowd? Be a discerning viewer, avoid the Justice League, and uh, have a happy Thanksgiving. So where can they go uh, listen to more of the podcast if they just can't get enough, if, if an hour with the Catholic movie guy is not enough? It's never enough, and I have many, many hours of back episodes for your listening pleasure. CatholicMovieGuy.com, uh, you can subscribe to the podcast, you can go on iTunes, subscribe it, review it, five stars only, Facebook, Twitter, Catholic Movie Guy. You'll be the coolest kid at Thanksgiving if you do it. It's certainly something to talk about on the table with the turkey in the middle. Steve, thanks for joining us. Happy Thanksgiving, man. Tell your whole family hi for us. I will. Thank you. You, you too, guys. Thank, Thank you. So, Bud, where are you? Where are your coordinates now? But like before we let you go, do people can people be assured that you are safe where you're driving? Yeah, actually, the first half of the show was kind of dangerous. I was navigating downtown Indianapolis and doing the show, but. We stopped at a rest stop, so we're good to go. Mom and Dad, rest assured, uh, your grandchildren are in one piece, and I think we're about to have uh, cheese sticks and crackers for lunch. So, oh wow! No, That's... Rachel says it's a what is it, honey? <laughs> Sandwiches. Sandwiches. Well, good. You you guys are like going lo-fi, so that when you hit the the turkey table, you can really make up for it. Well, Bud, uh, it's been great talking to you. You guys drive safe, uh, and you have a happy Thanksgiving as well, man. Yeah, you guys too. Blessings. So this has been the Uncommon Good. Uh, like we say, we love you guys being a part of our uh, our experience here. It's not just uh, us speaking on the radio, but when you guys donate to us, it's a ministry that we share. So if you uh, are thankful for what we do here at the radio, please feel free to send in and support us. We are a nonprofit organization. Uh, join us for the Rosary, 9.30 every day, Bible in a year at 5 a.m. This is the Uncommon Good. May Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, reign in your hearts, in your families, in our cities, our state, our nation, the entire world. The Uncommon Good, Bo Bonner, Dr. Bud Marr. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Common Good with Bo Bonner and Dr. Bud Marr is heard Wednesdays at 10 a.m. and 10 p.m. on Iowa Catholic Radio and on the official Iowa Catholic Radio app.